Hello and welcome to Simple and Interesting, a podcast from the Southern and Islands Learning Network. You're listening to Katie and James and we are Learning and Development Officers in the Southern and Islands region. And we're recording this podcast to bring you some of the best of the learning that we're discovering at our training events. So what have we got for everyone today? So today we're going to be hearing from Ali Bolton, who, as well as being a Baptist minister and the new housing hub coordinator, is someone who really walks the walk. We moved on to a new estate 10 years ago to live and share the love of God. We're going to be finding out what living incarnationally means for Ali and her family. Great. Well, happy listening. We're going to be thinking about how do we get to know our local communities? I think all of us will know that Jesus said, love your neighbour. Oh, that's great. And I think if I, I said to you all, anyone here not want to love their neighbour, probably there'll be no hands up. I can't see you, so I'm not going to ask that, that question. But we all know this is something that we want to do. We want to love our neighbour. James quoted in the blurb about this because it was following a conversation that we had that Shane Claiborne, who you may have heard of, who's a uh, an American um, Christian who's doing all sorts of things uh, with communities around America, he says this is quite well known uh, line now, which is it's not that Christians don't love the poor. I'm not very keen on the term the poor, by the way. I would say people who are poor. But anyway, he uses the term the poor. It's not that Christians don't love the poor. They just don't know any. And for me, it's been my experience that it's not that Christians don't love their neighbours or their community. Often they just don't know them. And so part of what we're going to think about tonight is how do we begin to get to know our communities better so that we can therefore love them? And I'm going to start by doing that by telling you a story, how we began to get to know people here. Now, I was called by a sort of a real moment of a sort of a God moment of calling to this community back in January 2008. And before I moved here, and this goes for if you're moving to an established community as well, I began to connect with local stakeholders. And for me, particularly at the beginning, with the council and the local housing association. And I've put here, and you'll see this in quite a lot of the slides, it says connecting with local stakeholders and then it's got the word listen. So part of connecting with these guys was not because I wanted to tell them what I wanted to do and what my good ideas were and how I thought I could shape this wonderful community, but was to hear from them what did they think was going on, who was going to move in to kind of find out and listen to the local stakeholders. Nobody lived here at that point. So in this way, it's slightly different from, from an established community. So the first thing we did was we connected with local stakeholders. Then we sold up where we were living and we moved in. I feel really passionate about living incarnationally, living in the place that we're called to. I was talking to someone a couple of days ago and they're in an established community and the church was on the edge of a council estate and the manse where they lived wasn't on the estate and they felt really called by God to move on to the council estate and the church actually were quite against it. They were a bit worried about their minister going and living in what they perceived as as being a difficult or a challenging area. Um, 
But as we talked about it yesterday, uh, day before, he explained to me how they've moved in and how that has been life changing. And over the last four or five years that they've lived there, how they have been able to become friends with this community in a way that they just couldn't when they didn't live there. And that is my experience, that living here has made a huge difference. I am one of the community. I'm not somebody who comes in and just kind of arrives and does two and leaves again. I am part of this community. When I meet people and we chat and uh, I say, oh, whereabouts are you? And they say, oh, I live over there. And I say, oh, I'm down in such and such a street. Their whole, their whole expression changes because they go, oh, you live here. Okay, yeah, I, I live here. And it makes a really big difference. So partly the living here makes a big difference to um, getting to know people locally. But also there's a theological thing about being here. It's about living with. It's not about doing too. And for me, that's really important. Sometimes as ministers and church leaders, we can be quite full of our own vision and our own calling. And that's not a bad thing in and of itself. But to bring that to those beyond the church in our local communities just doesn't uh, just does not sit well with me. I don't think it's what Jesus did. I don't think it's what we're called to. So there's something here about having an attitude of incarnational living, of living with and not doing to. And you'll see, I've just mentioned there, the Sam Wells book, Incarnational Mission, which is about being with the world. So we, um, me and my husband and my own three teenagers and a, another teenager who lived with us, we upped and moved to the area. Obviously, there was nobody living there. And even if there had, we wouldn't have known anybody. And if you move to any area at that stage, you don't know anybody. How do you begin to get to know them? Well, the first thing that we did, having listened to the council and the housing association, we then, I then, because I was mostly here on my own with my family at that stage, is I visited everyone as they moved in. And I went and saw them with this welcome basket. And this was on the day that they moved in. Now, the important thing about this was the actual welcome basket. And there are a lot of people uh, who moved into high priority social housing. So you can see we tried to give people things that were going to be really useful on the day that they moved in. For some people, it was the first home they'd ever lived in. There was people who'd moved in from um, some uh, local hostels and things like that. But it isn't really about what was in the basket. For us, it was about visiting and saying hello. And it was about bringing an unconditional gift to the people that we went to meet. So I went and I said, hello, I'm Ali. I'm your neighbour. I'm a Baptist minister, but I'm here to serve all faiths and none. What should we do together in this community? And there was something very special about that time. Some people shared their whole life story with me. Other people just said hello and told me their name or something like that. And some people didn't tell me anything. I didn't ask people any information about them. I just gave them an unconditional gift. Um, and some people just said thank you and didn't say their name. But in the, you can see along the back there that there's paperwork. In there, it had my name, my address, how you get hold of me. And um, I just invited people to get in touch if they wanted to. For me, there's been something very special about beginning to get to know people by visiting and giving a gift. 
that's not weird if you move into a new community to go and visit people and, and say hello as they move in, especially as we were the first here. But even if you move into an existing community, if you're the new person, you can go and say hello to people and take a gift. That's not a weird thing to do. The other times when it's really, you're really able to go and take a gift, if you're living in a community and you've been there for a while and you think, oh, Ali, I, I'm not just moved in. How do I, how would I go and visit people like that? Um, I would say go for any of the festivals. So Christmas, obviously a good time when you can go and visit people and take a candle and say, I'm so-and-so and I'm, I'm the minister or I'm from the church and we just want to uh, serve this community. So here's a candle here's my my mobile number or as I'll talk about in a minute how you can get hold of me on Facebook and I'd love to get to know you really and to find out what what your hopes and dreams are for this community but also just chatting on the doorstep is such a great way to get to know people so got Christmas is a good time Valentine's Day is a good time when you can go and say no it's Valentine's Day and I've just brought you you know just brought you a little gift to let you know that you're loved by the, your church and also we believe you're loved by God whatever you feel comfortable about some people don't feel that it's right to talk about God on first meeting I'm absolutely you know I absolutely get that I, I don't necessarily talk about God but I do say who I am that I'm a minister or that I'm from the church so that people kind of get an idea of who you are and where you're coming from why you're doing what you're doing so Christmas Valentine's Day um Halloween, we'll talk about Halloween a bit later on, but Halloween's a good time. I love the idea of just treating, going to a place and say hi from the church, no tricks, just a treat because you want to say hello. Any of these kind of times, Easter, are really good times that you can visit people, even if you're just visiting people who are really close to you. But to begin to say hello. And you'll see on this slide, and you'll see I've written it a lot, this is all about listening just getting to know people and listening to who they are for us a really important next thing that we did was that we developed open and close facebook groups now i don't know what you're like in, uh, with social media but for us this has been a massive thing we have to go into social media wisely and that's why i've got here that we had open and closed groups and if there's any questions about that later, we can answer that. Um, but we started groups for our community. And as we went round and as I met people on the doorstep, I told them about these Facebook groups and said, you know, do come and be part of it. Let's let's do things to make this community a great place to live. And that has been really key. And I'll keep coming back to this. And it's been a really key way of beginning to get to know people and of letting people know where we are and what we're doing in the community. At this stage, really, we weren't, this wasn't really about saying things about God. This was literally about getting to know people. One of the first things we did was we did community day. Now, we believed that God had said to us um, that he would tell us what to do through the community. And that's been a really key thing for us. So, um, a lot of you will have heard the phrase, find out what the Holy Spirit is doing and joining in, which is really great. But and I'm sure everyone wants to do that. But actually knowing what the Holy Spirit is doing in our communities is actually quite tough. If you've got a really good answer to this, if you've got the gift of being able to see tongues of fire resting on people's heads as you walk around your community. So, you know, where the Holy Spirit's at work. That's brilliant. You can just let me know in the chat. For me, 
I have to do something a bit more down to earth. And I believe that God had spoken to us as a as a Christian group and said he'd show us what to do through the community. So a lot of what we were doing was listening. What is it that the community is saying to us? And it was actually the Housing Association before we even moved in who said it'd be great if you did a community day, which is sort of like a village fate. So we listened and we did that and we worked with the local community, with the local housing association to put on this uh, sort of like village fate type thing. And on that day, we tried not just to put on a good event, but we really wanted to get to know people and make friends. That's what we were really about here. And so there was a lot of people I'd already met through visiting them. So I made sure that I chatted to them and I introduced them to different people. And we also had a little box of suggestions and little things that you could pin up of what you want, you know, your hopes and dreams for this community, those kind of things. And um, we did things where we actually interacted with each other. You know, you can sometimes go to like a fate and you can a village fate and you can just be there completely on your own and not talk to anyone or to a church fate. And we really didn't want that to happen. So we did things you can see there in the picture at the bottom. We did a tug of war. If you're in a tug of war in a team like that, you kind of have to begin to sort of talk to each other and get to know each other. We did a whole really retro sports day. So we did, I've got pictures of it on here, but we did a three-legged race and egg and spoon and all those kind of things. And, um, you know, it's not rocket science. We know how to kind of do these simple things. But what it enabled people to do was to come together and talk to talk to me, to talk to the other Christians, to talk to one another, to begin to be able to be community together. And people began to get in touch. One of the first things that people asked us to do was to play rounders and football in the community. And for some reason, the picture was here earlier. And then when I went through it before I came on, it's gone. But we played we just sort of put out little people text me and said, oh, we'd love to play a game around his alley. Will you organise it? And so I put things through the doors and, and put it on Facebook and said, let's do that. And about 40 people came out and played rounders. And again, that was a great opportunity just to begin to chat together. After the community day, people turned up at my house and said, Ali, we absolutely loved the um we really loved community day that you did will you do a Hall halloween party next now i don't know how you feel about halloween personally i don't find it a very uh a very easy thing i hadn't been in favor of halloween before i moved to the estate i'm on now i'd never done anything with ha halloween and i certainly didn't do anything with my children or family and i was a bit taken aback as to what I should do as this person asked me if we would do a Halloween party and they were all excited and they said we could carve pumpkins and play games and eat food and do all of this and that all sounded great but I was actually quite anxious about it and thinking as a Christian as a minister could I really do a Halloween party so by this time I'd built up a little group we had a little group of people who'd uh, Christians mostly from my previous church who'd wanted to be part there was there was my family and um, six others. And we got together and prayed and kind of said, what, what should we do here? And we felt like God was saying to us that we should work with the community. Um, so that was our first thing, like, oh, no, does that mean we should do it? 
that we should value the local culture. If we're going to be friends with people and listen to them, we should value the fact that all loads of the community were going to be out on Halloween. Were we going to hide ourselves away and not connect with people, not be friends with people? Or were we kind of going to go out and be part of it? So that was a challenge. And we also felt like, gosh, God has told us to listen to the local community and they're <laughs> telling us that this is what they want. And as we prayed, we felt that God drew our attention to the story in Acts 10, where Peter um, has all the food come down, you know, and he and, and God says to him, kill and eat. And Peter's like, no, I'm not going to do that. That's not what I do. And this is a very liberal translation of the Greek. But maybe God said to him, well, it's all right, Peter, you don't have to eat that if you don't want to. But if you don't, you won't be able to make friends with the Gentiles. And we sort of felt like God was saying that to us, that we were being very well brought up Christians and going, no, we're not going to do Halloween. That doesn't feel right. It's like God was saying, well, you don't have to if you don't want to. But if you want to be friends with this community, if you want to get to know them and listen to them, you've got to meet people where they're at and where they're at is at this party. And so we thought hard, what does it look like for us to do a, a Halloween party that doesn't feel very anti-Christian? And um, so we got families together. Uh, we advertised it on Facebook and through putting things through doors and through telling the people uh, around us and the people who suggested it, they spread the word as well. And we wanted to work with people. So again, this wasn't us saying, we're going to do something for you, but what should we do together? And as you can probably see, we had the marquee so we could do that. People, local people decorated it for us. It's all very Halloween-y here, which was, but that's how they decorated it. Um, in the afternoon, we, we cut pumpkins and that was a real chance to chat to local children and local families. And then in the evening, we ate food together and we did apple bobbing and stuff like that. And we got to know people because people got in touch with me and said, well, what's this about the party? And we'd like to help. And uh, what could we bring? And so we made it really easy. We said, bring some baked beans or something. So we thought whatever baked beans people bring, we can put in a big kind of vat together. We asked some people to make jacket potatoes and some people didn't know how to do that. And we explained that and how you make jacket potatoes because we're a very mixed demographic of people in our community. And um, people came along and they brought food and they joined in. And again, we played games together. And as the evening went on, we began to talk more and more with each other. And interestingly, as a little aside, because we were worried about doing Halloween and whether it was a godly thing to do or not, during that evening, somebody said, Ali, do you know what I would love you to do? And I'm like, what? <laughs> but anxious. And they said, wouldn't it be great if you did a community nativity play? And that's what we did next. And so we could see something really godly coming out of this evening but a lot of it and what we're thinking about now is how do we get to know people in our communities if we're going to love them and this party of being out where people are was a huge thing and October the 31st has become a really big date in our community um now we do do a party we call it the pumpkin party now for various reasons and I think a lot of Christians feel more happy with that that it's the pumpkin party we always do pumpkin carving and now we do treat stations so while all of so many of our community are out on Halloween night 
and they're dressed up and they're out and about and we now do a treat station and as well as carving pumpkins in the afternoon and the evening we have pumpkins where we have bless you and light in the darkness that clever people have cut carved out and we light those up and we have you know soup and hot dogs and hot chocolate and things like that and I've met so many new people and made so many friends at those street stations a couple of years ago because people don't even have to know you to know about it if they're out and about they just come across the treat station uh, a few years ago I met someone at the treat station who just moved in and this was I hadn't visited her because this was a bit of time after all the first lot of people knew, moved in and it was hard to keep up with everybody and um she said, oh, she just moved in. So we started talking. And at that treat station, she began to tell me about her baby, how her baby had died at eight months old of a brain tumour and how she'd been rehoused into our community because she couldn't bear to live in the house that she'd been living in before. And she was there with her, her older boy. And through that, we've become friends. I see her every week now. I've prayed for her. She's on a faith journey. But if we hadn't have been out there doing that treat station and being open to making friends with people, I wouldn't have known to pray with her. I wouldn't have been able to love her. In fact, in a couple of weeks time, I'm going to light a candle again. Each year I go and light a candle in her garden um, for her, in memory of her baby who died. And she invites all her friends and family around and she invites me to lead this group of completely non-churchgoers in prayer. I can only do that because I've made friends with people, making we can only love them if we really know them. And so that's been a really important time. I also think it's important uh, to be friends because as we, as I visited people and got to know people and as we did the, the community, uh, the community day, people began to get in touch more and more and someone got in touch one day and spoke to me like I was her best friend not like I was a minister she went oh Ali I, I really need to talk to you and she was out in her car with two of her five children she'd already had a drink and she was contemplating suicide and she said I don't know didn't know who to turn to but I know um, that uh, that you're a Christian and I think there might be a God and can you help me? And so I went and met her and drove her car back safely because she'd been drinking and we looked after her children. I spoke to her and she did not go through with it. She didn't phone me because I was a minister. There's other local churches there. She phoned me because I was a friend and I was a friend who had shared with her but, but I was a person of faith that I believed there was a God. They also got in touch after I visit, visited to say they'd love to get together. They'd love to, a lot of the mums would love to meet other young mums. And so people got together in my kitchen and then that began to form into a toddler group, which initially we did in the porter cabin. And again, friends, we began, friends invited friends. And so I began to get to know more people in the community and listen to them more. Being friends is such a privilege, isn't it? And, uh, as I was prayer walking around the community one day, I asked God what I should do to show the community that he loved them. And I felt that God said to me that, and I, sorry, I hope this doesn't put people off. I tend to kind of hear God sort of speaking in the first person 
That's just how I talk about God. There's loads of other spiritualities available. Other people hear God in all different sorts of ways. So don't be put off by, by the way I talk about God. However it is that we sense God talking, I sense God speaking to me and saying that I should wash the feet of the community. And from that, I did a pamper night on a Monday, Thursday, and I got in touch with people because I made friends with them. I text them and I said, would you like, um, I'm going to, would you like to come to my house for a pamper night? I'm going to wash your feet because Jesus washed the feet of his friends to show that he loved and served them. And this has been a really amazing way of going deeper with people who I've just begun to be friends with, of washing and pampering feet. I don't talk about God in the evening. I just love, bless and serve people. But at the evening, it's really interesting that every time we've done a pamper night, and we've done loads now, that people, somebody else begins to talk about God. And I find that really interesting. And it's, this isn't a church thing in inverted commas or anything like that. It is just that God is present and God brings us together as friends during the evening. I think that somehow inviting people into our homes, doing something together is so much a way of going deeper and being able to listen to each other. We are, I had someone get in touch with me and she said, you're doing lots of things with the little children. What are you going to do with our teenagers? And I said, well, what should we do together? Uh, why don't you come around and talk about it? And so this woman came round and um, talked about starting a youth club together. And that's what we did. We uh, got her DBS and gave her the appropriate safeguarding training. And then together, we started a youth club. Now, interestingly, while she was there that night, she also suggested that, um, well, she was talking about God, her and her husband were both there. And um, she said, how, no, I said to her, sorry, let me get this straight. She said, started talking about God. And I said, oh, I don't, that's not the God I serve. And that I love. She was a really harsh kind of God. And um, so I told them a little bit about the God that I believed in. And they said, oh, our boys don't know anything about God. I know you could start a God club that would tell all the children about God. I thought that's really interesting because as we develop friendships with people on their terms because of things that they want, I find it really interesting that the God stuff kind of comes alongside and so we started this youth club and uh, again, we're in the porter cabin. So it's really small in the early days, but the kids invited their friends and that enabled me again to begin to make friends with more people. Another way that we found that we've made friends with people is by using every single opportunity we can of every festival to celebrate it. In the Old Testament, um, when God is giving his law to the Israelites, I love it, the fact that he says, he makes it a law that you have to celebrate festivals. And I really like that. And I've kind of made it our law on our estate that we have to celebrate festivals. It's not weird to do things around an existing festival. And it gives you a really good excuse to bring people together. And so 
we, we do pancakes. We just do everything that comes up. One of our first pancake days was here. Again, loads of kids got to hear about it and we made friends. Another thing that we celebrated was um, we, we had the, the porter cabin uh, given to us through some funding from the council and we made it into a big deal and we put up the marquee and we invited the mayor and we did food. And again, we tried to really circulate with people and talk and chat and deepen friendships. I also don't want to underestimate God's role in all of this. In Psalms, it says, unless the Lord builds the house, the people work in vain. And I think that we can try and make friends, but, you know, really we need God with us in this, opening up the opportunities. And this Football in the Community event is just one of the many ways in which we saw God do things as we put ourselves out there that we weren't even expecting. And um, there's a guy in this next picture here, this guy here with the football things on. I used to be a teacher and a long time ago he was in my tutor group and um, I met him in town and we had a chat and he said, what are you doing now? And I said, I live on this estate. And uh, he ran, ran this football in the community event. And he said, oh, I'd love to help you with that. And he came down and ran this event for us. And I never would have been able, that, that was just a God moment that he did that. He usually went into schools and colleges and institutional places, but he was willing to come to us. And that was just one of the many God moments that we've seen where God opened a door when we were really being out there wanting to make friends with people. It's been very special because for us, it's the making friends that built up the trust. And after a year of living on the estate, we um, we did some stuff over Good Friday because we were invited to. I was sitting around with some women, chatting to them, and they didn't know that Easter was a God thing, which was really interesting. They said, oh, is, is Easter a God thing? And I said that it was. And uh, through chatting to them, we decided that we'd do a Good Friday Easter event to tell the Easter story. I don't have any pictures of that day. And through that, people were really interested in Easter. And I said, well, if you want to, you can come to my house on Easter day, where there'll be a small group of us celebrating the fact that we believed that Jesus rose from the dead. And on that day, 35 unchurched people from our local community came round to my house to celebrate Easter. And from that, a couple of weeks later, somebody said they'd like to come to our church every week. And we began to meet as a church, not as big as all the 35, but a little core of that and the Christians, uh, the little group of Christians that we were already. But those guys, if I'd just gone round and leafleted and said, I'm going to start a church at my house if you want to join us, none of these guys would have come. They came because they knew my house, they knew me, they knew my family, they knew the other Christians through being friends. And for me, this whole getting to know people is absolutely key to sharing God's love and sharing the good news. A few other things that we did just out of interest to you is that we did something called the Dream Scheme. We worked with the Housing Association and because the Housing Association obviously knew loads of, of families, obviously all of their residents, they let their residents know. And we did a great half term scheme where we worked with children and families doing work around the community. We carried on, we've done a community day every year since, and we've seen friendships develop. We started a walking group um, and put that on Facebook, who else with people we knew, but who else would like to walk? And then together we did the race for life, which again, 
went beyond because I'm something institutional, but into friendship. Some of the guys said, oh, you've done a, a women's walking group. What about us? And they wanted a football team, which was a bit outside of my um, expertise, to be honest. But they said, you can be our manager, Ali. And so I just organised the fixtures and um, we began to bring some of the guys together. So that was all a little while ago. I wanted to kind of tell that story to show the kinds of ways in which I first started to make friends when I first moved in and first started the work here. But it doesn't stop, does it? Because people are constantly moving in and out of our communities and there's always new people. So I thought I'd just name a few really up-to-date things. I talked about social media and for us, social media is really significant. Um, but I'd really encourage you and I'll talk about being vulnerable in a moment, to connect with people on social media. Don't just read it and find out things, but actually connect. I've got here, messaging people is really important. So when I've seen on social media that people have said, said something important, I've sent them a message, even if I don't really know them. In fact, if I don't know them at all. Um, and during COVID, and we haven't been able to be out and about visiting and seeing people through that, I've messaged people, I've put myself out there and it is a bit vulnerable and I'll talk about that in a moment, but it feels really significant. We also joined in with things. I don't know what went on in your community during COVID, but we really didn't want to be just in charge doing things. We wanted to throw ourselves into whatever the community was doing. So somebody did a treasure hunt by putting things up on uh, the windows different pictures and things like that and organized for us a for the community a treasure hunt and she wanted people to help get involved and we immediately as Christians said yeah we'll put things up in our windows we don't want to be in control we just want to be friends and then people came around and so I can wave to them from the windows and say hello to people and that was a great way of getting to know people we've also done a food sharing scheme in our community and uh, as Christians as the church here we've been running that but it's very much about sharing just amongst our estate and again put out on social media you know we want to share if you're struggling private message me through that I've made friends and we deliver to people we try and do it really relationally so I deliver to people weekly and there's been different people during the time but we get a chance to chat on the doorstep I've recently made friends with uh, some new people and you know, you realise that it's not just about food, is it? People often want food because there's all sorts of things going on in their lives. And I made new friends in that way. I've made new friends. Uh, I made a new friend a week ago today, actually, by somebody who wanted some boxes. And so I said, yeah, I've got some. And I connected with her and her mum. And I had a really good chat with this trainee teacher who wanted boxes for the stuff what I've been wanting to talk about tonight is just getting out there and making friends. All sorts of things can happen. We can listen to people. We can join in with what people are doing once we're friends with them. So my first big learning point for me over the years has been to make the first move and to be vulnerable. Um, and that has been really the case during, during COVID. It's been messaging people who I don't really know saying, Hey, how are you doing? It's seeing things that they've written on Facebook, which I'll come on to a minute and responding to it actually properly getting together having a meal or coffee or a get together that's what real friends do as opposed to people who are churches who are building up contacts if you know what I mean so how are we being real friends with people 
And for me, it's about revisiting the childhood skills of making friends. We sort of move on from this as we get older, don't we? That idea, when you hear children playing, they say, will you be my friend? I don't actually use the term, will you be my friend? Because it is a bit too childlike. But there is a sense of, actually, I want to be vulnerable. I want to say, do you want to be my friend? As adults, we sort of feel a bit that we hold back from that. But let's let's be vulnerable for people because this bit of scripture here you know we love god because he first loved us let's be the first to love people and let's not be shy about putting ourselves out there exactly what christine was just saying connecting with local stakeholders council housing associations schools pubs and restaurants shops and businesses are all ways in which we can begin to get to know people and hear what the community is saying and that's been massive for us this whole living incarnationally, living in the community. And we had some research done and uh, by a, not by somebody we knew, not by a Christian, but by someone who was doing research on, as you can see here on local community development. And she said that it was being resident in the area that made a big difference and enabled me to understand the community. Immersing ourselves in local community. So, I don't think we can say that we're going to be friends with the community and then use all the goods and services from elsewhere. So for me, when the hairdresser opened, it was important that I went to the hairdressers. When the beauticians came, I started getting my nails painted for the first time and I've had them painted ever since. That's part of me immersing myself in the community. I go to the local pubs and restaurants and support them. And while I'm in the hairdressers and having my nails done and while I'm at the pub, I meet other people that I know. I think immersing ourselves in local community is really important. The new parish says that in order to be really truly incarnational, we're reshaped by our context. And uh, yeah, Ziggy, remembering that Halloween is a Christian festival. That's just one of the small ways in which I've been reshaped. But I've learned such a lot. This isn't a one way street where I'm, you know, people are learning from this great I am that is Ali. We're learning to be friends together. We're learning what makes a good community together. We're even hearing God together. I'm hearing God's voice through the friends that I've made, even those who aren't Christians yet. And that's huge for me. This is thinking about the Emmaus Road. Jesus himself came up and walked alongside with them. And for me, it's been really important to greet strangers as I walk around. It's been one of my spiritual disciplines to say, hello or good morning or good afternoon to everyone as I meet them and to smile and sometimes that develops into conversations At other times it just means we become friendly faces to each other and already that becoming a friendly face is the start of just being friends. The stories of Bartimaeus calling out you know in Luke 18 when he he calls out to Jesus and when the woman bleeding reaches out and touches Jesus's cloak that really makes me think of as who is out there in our community who's calling out or reaching out to us and for me the place that that shows out shows up is on Facebook people who are it who are crying out put quite vulnerable things on Facebook and another social media and rather than just seeing that and thinking well we'll pray for them although I'm really into praying so that's a good thing to do we can just message go hey I saw that you know this had happened or you know your mum's died or looked like you were feeling really fed up on Facebook and again it's making our vulnerable making ourselves vulnerable putting ourselves out there starting a conversation with people 
This is like those people who called out to Jesus and whatever his disciples said, he never ignored them. Can we be people who don't ignore? I think it's been really important to think about the local, the small and the individual. When I think about the lost sheep, you know, Jesus left the big crowd and, you know, and I sometimes think about the 99 as being our churches. They're the places where people are, are safe, where they're gathered in, where they've got each other, where they're being looked after. But what about the one? What about the lonely person, the isolated person in your community? Who am I looking out for? And it might not, I might not be able to say to you, well, 3,000 people became Christians today. 3,000 were added to the number. Yeah, no, that hasn't happened for me. But I can say I have meaningful and deep conversations with the one that on lots of occasions has been quite life-changing. So, you know, let's not worry about those who are already safe. Where are we reaching out and responding to those who are vulnerable? I want to have real conversations with people and go deep. We can spend time talking about the weather and really sort of just nothing. But when we look at, say, John 4, where Jesus meets the woman at the well, he goes deep. How am I, when I meet people, how am I asking questions which enable people to share if they want to? How am I listening and how am I being real about who I am? What I've tried to bring tonight is a real encouragement that we can't listen to our community if we don't know them. I go back to the original corruption of the quotation from Shane Cloborne. It's not that we don't know our neighbours. It's not that we don't want to love our neighbours. It's just that we don't know them. And if all of us in our churches were out there getting to know our neighbours, then we could really love and make a difference. And once we, once we know them, we can listen to them. We can hear what God is doing. We can hear when they're rejoicing. We can hear when they're in sorrow. And I think that can be truly transformative. And that's where we begin to see God's kingdom coming. So I found that quite moving, James. It was really inspirational to hear from Ali, who's truly been living and continues to live incarnationally. The focus on listening and building community uh, and the ideas that Ali's offered us in all that she said in how to build community and how to really just make friends using celebrations. I found that so, um, sounds so simple, but actually to do it in practice, it really takes a sacrificial living. What did you think? Yeah, I think, um, and also the sacrificial living and indeed and just the knowledge that they, they don't have a budget and everything is self-generated. And, and what really struck me was how they believe that God will speak to them through the community and, and guide them through the community. It's very much doing with rather doing unto. Yeah, I love those stories. Um, it's that real living in faith and trust, isn't it? Trusting and taking that time to wait for God to speak. Uh, we're so impatient in this world, aren't we? And to, to, to wait to see God's spirit manifest through the words of others that you that don't even know God, perhaps, at that point. Mm. That was amazing. Yeah. The stories of Halloween and that, that uncertainty that Ali was talking about and that fear almost of being a Christian and, and leading a, a, an event for Halloween, but then that God used that event and continued to use that event thereafter. Mm. You know, people yeah. coming to faith because of it was, I found that amazing. 
Yeah. What do, what do you feel were the, were the challenges for you as you listened to that? So I found quite a few challenges with what I was listening to um, on self-reflection, really. Uh, you know, I would find living like Ali really difficult. I, I would find that sacrificial living a real challenge, despite acknowledging that we're called to live that way. I think even this element of social media in today's world where we're coming out of a lockdown and we've we've been living online so much. Yeah, Ali was emphasising the importance of being on, you know, in Facebook and other elements of social media to be able to communicate with with the community, how important that's been. I just question, is, is that as important now? And if so, personally, I would find that a challenge to to have to be so active again online. Mm. I kind of want to be more out there. Um, but even those, you know, all that she's done with being out there, I think everything's a challenge. How to find the time, mm. how to encourage your family to live incarnationally. It, if it's not something they've discerned as their calling or they haven't yet discerned as their calling, you're kind of leading your whole family as well as trying to be there for the whole community. So I think every step of the way, the vulnerability that Ali's reflected is awe-inspiring, really. And the trust, she's just she's lived in faith. I think that's what really spoke to me through all that she was saying was that open-heartedness it, it, it's taken, that trust that that warmth that Ali has had to live amongst and and to emulate she she kept referencing she's lived incarnationally but the open-heartedness that she's modeled it's enabled her to make friends with everyone and anyone to spend all judgment to not perceive anyone as the other hmm. I mean it sounds easy to do on the surface perhaps she referenced that's what little children do yeah I remember yeah. So, you know, the kids say, let's make friends. And it, it should be so easy, but it's not when you get to be an adult and when you've got a busy life and when you've got family. You have your own responsibilities and you've had your own experiences and you have un unconscious biases. I mean, there's so many challenges to just to live like that. But Ali models it so gently and simply that it really is an inspiration to all of us, I think. Lots to ponder there. So we've been Katie and James from the Southern and Islands region. We run learning and development events all over the Southern and Islands regions. And you can find out more about these events at learningnetsi.org.uk. So wherever you are, thanks for listening and have a great day.